Influencing popular culture, politics, and everything in between. The local station takes you ringside as we discuss the crazy world that is professional wrestling. This is Going Ringside with the local station. Hello, and thank you for joining us today for another episode of Going Ringside. So glad you could be with us today. We have got a lot on tap today. Once again, the podcast continues to grow. Please help get the word out. Uh, you can give us a follow at, at Going Ringside on Instagram or TikTok putting a lot of exclusive content there right now every single day about the wrestling and the fighting world that you won't see anywhere else. Go to follow us at, at Going Ringside, both TikTok and Instagram. So thanks for joining us today. Um, been having just a good response to some of our latest episodes, but today we wanted to focus on the bad guys, maybe the two baddest of them all. And compare two gentlemen... One who you know very well right now, if you follow the modern product, and one of, most, one of the most legendary names in wrestling history. The current guy is Maxwell Jacob Friedman, a.k.a. MJF, AEW's top performer, top heel, top bad guy, because he is just so good at getting people to hate him. He can go into any arena in the country, and even if they're cheering, he can find exactly the words to say to tick off the crowd, to get them to boo, to get them to hate him. There was one guy who I wanted to compare him to, who, I, who a lot of people have said we see similarities, who is arguably the greatest heel of all time. And that would be this guy. Let's put his face on the screen. You know it all too well. That would be Hot Rod, Rowdy, Roddy Piper, who sadly passed away a little less uh, than a decade ago in his 60s. Um, we lost Hot Rod in July of 2015. We're all almost coming up on the eight-year anniversary of Roddy's death. But Roddy, arguably the greatest bad guy of all time. And notice that leather jacket. We're going to talk about his leather jacket and why it's important a little later on in the show. But so that's the subject of today. I also want to point out later on in the show, if you want to scroll to the end, we have a local event coming up in Baker County, Florida, if you're listening in the region. It's for Destiny Combat Championship Wrestling. They have a big event coming up July 15th. So if you're hearing this in Northeast Florida before July 15th, scroll to the end of this podcast. You can learn all about their big event they have coming up at, in Baker County, Florida uh, later on this week. But we are here today to talk about MJF and Hot Rod. And let's analyze who these guys are. And a little later on in the show, I'm also going to bring in Joe V, who's been on the show a few times. Joe Vathiathil is his real name, a guy I've known for a quarter century. Uh, we used to roommate together, and he knows wrestling more than anyone. The reason why I brought him on is because he developed a very close relationship with Roddy Piper before Roddy's death. They started doing a wrestling show together out in Portland where Roddy is from. They became very close and he knows Hot Rod and he knows Hot Rod's story as well as anyone, almost anyone. So he, I brought him in to help us analyze this comparison between MJF and Roddy Piper. And is MJF the new incarnation of Roddy Piper? So let's discuss who these guys are. If you're not following the modern product, if you don't follow AEW, it could behoove yourself to go to the, that great YouTube machine we have out there and type in MJF. Watch some of his stuff. 
Watch some of his ability to speak. He's a decent performer, a good wrestler. Obviously, all the wrestlers nowadays are really good athletes. But he has the ability to go in, and crowds are cheering him now. I mean, he has become so hot. He's essentially maybe the hottest face in um, AEW, uh, him and CM Punk. Now, the Punk's back, you know, you could argue. But MJF is really drawing a lot of heat. He does it not only in the ring, he does it on social media. He does it in press conferences, which we're going to watch shortly. He does it in real life. Because the curtain has been pulled back in the wrestling world, people know it's a work, unlike when Piper was performing. MJF has really done a good job of blurring that reality and fiction and making people wonder if what he says is real and making people want to hate him because he'll go on and he'll insult people. You'll hear that in the clip we're going to show here momentarily of, a, of an AEW news conference, a press gaggle that they had after a pay-per-view in May. When, when MJF sits next to his boss, Tony Khan, and talks about, hey, maybe I'll go to WWE someday. And you watch Tony Khan look at him like, what? What, what? what are you saying right now, publicly, right, sitting right next to me? Um, so, He's got a unique way about him. He really understands being a bad guy and making the audience hate him. Rowdy Roddy Piper did the same thing. Rowdy Roddy Piper, in the golden of golden age in wrestling, was the top bad guy. There's arguments if Rod is the greatest heel of all time. Let's talk about that real quick. So some of the other guys who you could talk about would maybe be Ric Flair, Triple H, the Iron Sheik. There's been a few others. But let's like and Randy Orton. Let, let's analyze like a Ric Flair. I've always, the Flair and Piper were close. They were very close personal friends. Maybe when Piper was live, best friends. Um, Rick was a little different. Rick was the face of NWA WCW when he was the style and profile and 16-time champion, he was the face of the company. Now, he was a bad guy. He was the dirtiest player in the game. But he was known for other stuff. He was known for being the champ. He was known for having all these feuds. Roddy was known at his peak for being Hulk Hogan's nemesis, for being the bad guy, for having Piper's Pit and making people hate him. And when Hulk Hogan was at his peak and on cereal boxes and lunch boxes and cartoons, Hulk Hogan's rock and wrestling cartoon they used to run on Saturday mornings that all kids in America were watching, who was the main bad guy? It wasn't the Iron Sheik. It wasn't Big John Studd, who were also on the show. It was Roddy Piper. He was the leader of the bad guys because he was Hulk Hogan's ultimate nemesis. It's while at the, the very first WrestleMania they were essentially facing off. It's why when you had the MTV Rock and Wrestling Connection with Cyndi Lauper and Mr. T, two of the biggest celebrities of all time in that era, in all of entertainment, they were facing off with Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper got some very mainstream publicity. Roddy Piper became a household name. That's one area where I think Rod may still have a leg up on MJF. MJF is the greatest heel in AEW. Maybe the greatest heel on the planet as far as wrestling fans are concerned. I don't know if non-wrestling fans would recognize MJF when he walked down the street. They would have recognized Rowdy Roddy Piper. That's maybe the difference. MJF, though, is young. He's only 27. Who knows what will come for him? 
And Roddy Piper was the first guy that I really remembered to try his hand in Hollywood because he did so well in wrestling. And Hollywood recognized he had the ability to talk and put on a show and put on a performance. Now, I'll never say Rod did what The Rock does or John Cena. Roddy was never in A-list movies. You, wrestling fans will say uh, they live or whatever, whatever Rod's old somewhat B-movies were, they love them. They weren't A-list movies. I'm not going to pretend Roddy Piper was an A-list actor, but he had good abilities, good at it, and he was the first guy when wrestling was looked down on back in the 80s by the entertainment world, they still respected Roddy Piper enough to put him in some movies. This is right as the time Jesse Ventura tries it out, and then eventually Hulk Hogan does his Hulk Hogan movies, like Suburban Commando, Santa with Muscles, Mr. Nanny. Is that Hogan or Rock? I can't remember. But either way, they didn't, he did not become an A-lister like The Rock did, but he was so good that Hollywood took notice of to where he did have some movies. He did try his hand in Hollywood. And I think that might be the difference right now between Rod and Max, but Max is young. We'll have to see what happens with him. So if you don't know MJF, if you don't know who Maxwell Jacob Friedman is because you don't watch AEW or you kind of got out of wrestling, I want to show a clip. It's like six or seven minutes that I think kind of sums him up, and it's not in a wrestling match. It is a post-press conference that AEW puts out for the media um, that happened after a pay-per-view they had in um, May. And I had to have my editor cut this down because we try our best to not have uh, swear words on the podcast. We're kind of a news station here who puts this together. We've had a few slip through. But when we looked at the MJF press conference, I'm like, I got to edit this. And my editor looked at me when he watched MJF. He's like, you really want me to cut all these swear words out? Because there were a lot. So if you hear a lot of gaps in the audio here, that's us editing out all his swear words because he had a lot. But it's not the swear words that I want you to focus on. A lot of wrestlers swear. That's not out of the ordinary. It's how he just plays the press there like a fiddle. Pretend they're the crowd insulting people, talking to in front of his boss about maybe going to the other company with uh, Nick Khan, who's a, who kind of runs WWE alongside the McMahons and Triple H. He's bringing this up right in front of his boss, Tony Khan. Watch what he does. Watch MJF, and you'll maybe get a glimpse of what he's like as a bad guy, as a heel, and why he's so good at this. And then a little later on, we'll bring in Joe Vathiefel, Joe V, to help us analyze that comparison between him and Roddy Piper because he knew Piper so well. So first, let's listen to this um, raw press clip. It's about seven or eight minutes with MJF sitting right next to his boss, Tony Khan, as he essentially lays into the press. Here we go. When you're the world champion, that winner's purse is fat, dude. So I don't have to wrestle all the time. So let that Mark Orange Cassidy wrestle every single week. I'm a star. I don't need to wrestle every week. I wrestle when I feel like it. Next question. Hi, Mark Hoke, the Mark Hoke Show, 101.5 FM Don here in Las Vegas. Congratulations on your victory tonight, sir. Congrats on having type 3 diabetes, Mark. How may I help you? Eh, not quite. Mm, not quite. fat, but it's okay. What's it's your question? Good. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. Well, you just said to Tony that you're running out of challengers. What do you want your next challenge to be? I don't give a man. I'm just going to pin him, and he's going to pay me, and that's the end of the story. And Look, you want to get real? Okay. I think everyone's scared. 
Point blank. I think people in this company are afraid to wrestle me because they know that I'm going to outclass them on the microphone and in the ring. If there is a matchup that you think should happen, the reason it hasn't happened is because they are terrified of getting outclassed by me. Done. Next question. Harry Ruiz with Raider Nation Radio. Max, four years ago. You, you in... got like Dumbo years, man. Anybody ever tell you that? Actually, like I fucking... have. Four years ago, yeah. you participated in the first ever match in mm -hmm. AEW history here in Las Vegas. Yeah. Now you just defended your title again, but now here in the city where it all started. What has been your biggest challenge in those four years to get to where you are right now being the biggest champ? <sighs> Ryan Alvarez, stop smiling so much at me. I'm not going to stop. What a weirdo. Um, how does it make me feel? And what was a challenge? Is that what you had? I'm sorry. Your, your ears were freaking me out. Um, the biggest challenge, frankly, is cementing a legacy. Because pro wrestling fans have never been more fickle in the history of this sport. And I think we can all agree on that. One week, I'm the best professional wrestler in the world. The next week, I'm the drizzling and that's not just me, that's every single professional wrestler on the planet. Why is that? I'll tell you why. Because we have everything like this. I want food. Press a button. It comes to your house. Just like your... I want, I don't know, I want something off Amazon. I'm not going to do it again to the table because I'm going to look stupid if I do it again. Boom. You press something, it comes to your house. I want to talk to somebody. You go on your phone, you text them. It gets sent to them immediately. We live in a new world. So people want instant gratification. Right now, right now. I want it great, right now. What? I, I don't believe in that. I, I believe in the sport of professional wrestling. I believe in things being built to. I believe in contenders for me being built up so they are worthy of a match. I don't believe in just throwing myself out there to appease you people like a dancing monkey. That is not my job, and it never will be. So, yeah. Hello, Michael Sedgwick from What Culture Wrestling. Um, you've expressed your disdain. I just want to time out. One of the only professional wrestling podcasts that's actually worth a f Just wanted to say that. Thank you very much, Max. Yeah. You've expressed your disdain for New Japan Pro Wrestling quite Ugh, frequently. Good. Yeah. Who would you like to defeat at Forbidden Door <laughs> if you're going to wrestle, wrestle in Forbidden Door? That to prove that you're better than that promotion. Oh God, it's a indie fed, dude. I don't know, man. I... Look, with with all due respect, with all due respect, their greatest legend probably couldn't lace my boots. I think I would make anybody on that roster look silly, and I don't want to waste my time. I'm a very busy man. There's your answer. I think New Japan Pro Wrestling sucks. Except that great Okan guy. He, he pops me. I like him. But everybody else there is the drizzling. It, I don't know. It reminds me of just like a local indie fed. Here we go. Last question. Hey, MJF, the schmo with the schmozone. Nice to see you. You look good. Got a question for you. You're raising up your profile every day. You're trying to make a legacy for yourself. But what do you think it's going to take to take that next step over the top to have the name to be one of the greatest this sport's ever seen? Okay. Uh, I'm already there. Next question. I literally, I'm, I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. 
Schmo. If I, thanks. If I literally retired today, this is not hyperbole. I've had one of the best professional wrestling runs in the history of the business. That's a fact. Best oratory exhibitions, best Iron Man match, best singles dog collar match. Tonight I just had the best four way. I, and also some of the best rivalries in the history of the sport. Cody Rhodes, Wardlow, CM Punk, Danielson, and that's just to name a few. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure if I called it quits, I'm, I've had a Hall of Fame career, which is why, quite frankly, when I say take my ball and go home, earmuffs, Tony, everybody thinks I'm talking about WWE, right? And now, does Nick Khan want me to work in his company? Sure. Does Triple H want me to work in his company? Sure. Calm down. Everything's fine. Or maybe it's not. But I'm kind of bored of this sport and I'm bored of the lack of respect from professional wrestling fans. So when I take, when I say take my ball and go home, I mean, literally just hang it up and fuck up the lineage of this title. Cause frankly, I don't know if anybody's worthy of beating me for this thing. Now I'm not just going to hand it away. Why the fuck would I do that? I earned this thing. So please, by all means, take it off of me. Somebody put me out of my misery, but until then we'll see what happens. Sick. That last part is the part that went viral of him literally sitting next to his boss and talking, maybe I'll go to the competition. And Tony Khan's like, what? What's happening right there? Once again, those audio dropouts you may have heard throughout it were us cutting out all the swear words. He had a few. Uh, that was actually the cleanest section I could find. There was a longer version of the press conference on AEW's YouTube channel. <clears throat> um, but he's good at that. I can tell you from experience that speaking publicly like that, that was not scripted. That was not planned. That was off the cuff. He could nail it the entire way through. Piper was like that. A lot of wrestlers aren't. Very few wrestlers have that ability. <clears throat> you know, there's so much talk about work rate and, and look and all this, but that ability to um, understand your audience and speak to them, in that case, it was the collected wrestling media right there. I think that was in Las Vegas, um, shows his ability. Piper had this. So now the question is, is he at Piper's level? That's why I brought in Joe with Ivel. Joe B is an anchor with KPTV in Portland who knew Roddy Piper extremely well. They became almost like family in the final years of Roddy's life before Rod passed away in 2015, doing a wrestling show together. Um, and Joe and I knew each, have known each other for 25 years. That's why I brought him on. He'll tell you a little of that backstory. But I wanted to bring in <clears throat> Joe V to discuss, you know, this comparison of MJF and Hot Rod Rowdy Roddy Piper. The greatest bad guy today versus arguably the greatest bad guy of all time. Here's our interview with Joe V. Well, we are joined today by KPTV out of Portland, Oregon anchor, Joe Vithiathil. We'll call him Joe V on this show. Who <laughs> we brought him in because I've known Joe for 25 years. We used yeah. to uh, watch wrestling together. And we annoyed our female roommate who was like, why do you guys watch all this wrestling? Yeah, if I may. So Scott and I uh, graduated from college together, knew each other well there. And then the first three years of our news career, we were roommates uh, making probably around minimum wage yeah. in Yakima, Washington. Uh, and 
Mondays we watch wrestling. Thursdays we were watching wrestling. Uh, about one Sunday every month we were watching a pay-per-view, and we weren't doing that. We were playing uh, WWF No Mercy on Scott's Nintendo 64. So, and God uh, bless <laughs> the roommate, the rotating third roommates who had to suffer through it. There's a lot of them, and they just accepted it. They we're going to talk about Roddy Piper in just one second. I just want to throw this story. And when I first met, or when I first knew my wife before we were dating, we she pulls up to our apartment, and I like uh, warn her. I'm like, uh, "Hey, girl, I like, but didn't want to say anything. There's some stuff in this apartment you might find disturbing when you come in." And she's like, "What are you talking about? There's a lot of wrestling magazines in there." Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and I just had to awkwardly show her all the wrestling yeah. magazines we had sitting around the house, but. Mm -hmm. um, Anyway, there's that. That's a old story. But I want to get on to why we're here to talk about Rowdy Roddy Piper. Joe know, knew Rod very well in the years before he passed. Joe, tell me about your history with Rod. Yeah, so uh, just to back up a little bit, as you mentioned, I work for KPTV uh, here in Portland. So for decades, that was the station that aired Portland Wrestling, which was the local territory-based wrestling program. I mean, it, that territory went back to like the 1920s, and it ran all the way up until 1993. And uh, long before Roddy was in WWF, uh, he, he, had, he was a big star in Portland in the uh, late 70s and early 80s. His feud with uh, Playboy Buddy Rose is probably the most famous feud really, in the history. Really quickly, because most of our people around here probably either grew up with Georgia Championship Wrestling or mm -hmm. Florida Wrestling, like with yeah. Dusty Rhodes and stuff like that. Talk to me about some of the stars who would have been in the Portland Territory. Well, the, you have the guys that were the stalwarts that were here for a long, long time. Playboy Buddy Rose was a big one. There was Lonnie Main. There was Dutch Savage, Stan the Man Stasiak. But a lot of big stars uh, got their start here. Jimmy Superfly Slither got his start here. Jesse the Body Ventura. Uh, Roddy Piper had uh, he'd already kind of made a name for himself in the Los Angeles Territory, feuding with the Guerreros. Uh, but then he came to Portland, and he became an even bigger star here. Even though it's a, a smaller city, obviously, than L.A., it was always a very popular uh, destination for wrestlers because unlike other territories where it was spread out and you had these long road trips, the Oregon Territory, based out of Portland, was one where you would go to a show on a Monday, a Tuesday, Wednesday, but you would always be able to basically drive home and, and spend the night in your own bed. You didn't have to spend a lot of nights like on the road. So it was a popular destination for that reason, and you could still make good money. Don Owen, the promoter, was known as one of the more honest uh, promoters there was in the business. And Roddy Piper, until the day Don Owen died, was a fiercely loyal to Don Owen, to the fact where even when he was a big star in WWF, he would come back and do shows for Don Owen. Vince McMahon would let him do it because he knew how much that meant to Piper. And uh, so this place was very important to Roddy. And then eventually, uh, Roddy settled down here. He, he was no longer still wrestling in Portland, but he you know, bought a house here. He married a woman, a kitty, a lovely lady. They got married uh, and raised four kids here in the Portland metro area. They had a big Big kind of a state kind of ranch kind of location. There's that famous, I want to say it was like a wife swap. Is that the name of the TV show? Yeah, him and, with him and Ric Flair. Yeah, so yeah. him and Flair do this wife swap show, and they trade wives, so to speak, just on TV for a few weeks, kind of like a reality show type thing. And you yeah. see that even though they're best friends, the mm -hmm. absolute, uh, they are diametrically opposed in how they live their lives. Talk yeah, about no, him, right. him and Flair being opposites. 
Roddy was, so Ric Flair, I didn't know Rick, but of course Roddy was very close friends with him. One of his closest friends, maybe his closest friend in the wrestling business, uh, was Ric Flair. And Ric Flair will tell you this, as he, as he always had, he was Ric Flair 24-7. He was jet flying, wheeling, kneeling, son of a gun. When Roddy Piper wasn't wrestling, his home was his refuge. And he would go there and decompress. He'd be on the road and then we'd come back and he just lived surrounded by animals. They had horses, you know, and all these uh, million dogs and all this stuff. And that was the life he chose, basically an escape from the wrestling business. That was his sanctuary. Roddy was very much a family man when he wasn't wrestling. And that was a big part of his life was just when he wasn't on the road, he would go home and just kind of decompress. But being Roddy Piper, the bug would eventually bite him again and he'd have to get back on the road. To get to, I just so I can get to how I got to work with Roddy, uh, in 2012, so just over 10 years ago now, our station, and at the time, you know, I was already working there. I'd been there for about five or six years at that point. Uh, the station announced that they were going to try to basically bring back a, a weekly Portland wrestling program filmed in our studio. So I told we have this a to my studio. studio when it happened, my, my, yeah. my station management here, they couldn't believe in the 2000s a local television station was going to do a live wrestling program in a studio. It is unthinkable in the industry to do that now, different yeah. than like the 70s and 80s. Of course, it, it, I should say it wasn't live. It was pre-taped, but it was done in our studio, in our spare studio. We set up a, we set up a ring. We brought in fans. Uh, there was risers and all that stuff. It would get set up. We would do a taping every other week. So we would usually take two up, tape two episodes in a day. And... Um, and anyways, Roddy Piper was brought in as an executive producer for the show. The way it worked was there was an outside promoter that was kind of paying the bills for the wrestling and stuff like that. He made the pitch to our station management. And our station management was of the mindset that they were looking for original local programming that they could sell. This is about that as was, original as it gets. Yeah. Very much so. And original, but at the same time, one that had a following for decades here in our market and in particular on our station. It, it had been for, for years and years and years. So it kind of made, made some sense. The wrestling people would handle the wrestling, the TV people would ha handle the TV. So uh, the promoter brought in a man named Len the Grappler Denton, who is a, a very, he has become a very close friend of mine. Scott Let, and I watched let's him. Let's pause this real quick. Yeah. Let's do a book plug for you. Tell me about your book on Len the Grappler Denton. Grappler Memoirs of a Masked Madman. I wrote it in uh, conjunction with Lenny uh, several years ago now. I believe in 2014 is when we and, published it. And I want to pause for our viewers who probably don't know who the Grappler is, but you see Junkyard Dog on the cover. This yeah. is not just a book about just a random wrestler you don't know. No. Everyone from Goldberg to Andre to JYD are in there. To Ric Flair, to Ultimate Warrior, you name it. Um, yes, uh, Lenny was one of these people that during the territory eras, in fact, he wrestled in uh, Tampa, in the uh, in the territory there in Florida for some time. Uh, he wrestled in every single territory. He may be, in my opinion, the greatest territory wrestler of his generation that never once wrestled in WWE. He never wrestled in WWE. Now, he did, uh, towards the end of his career, wrestle a few matches for WCW. He was part of Goldberg Street. Yeah, that's what I was going to yeah. Probably the most, ironically, probably the most watched match of his career because like, that was back when millions of people were watching wrestling on Monday nights. Um, so he had a huge audience watching get squashed by Goldberg in whatever year that was, 1998 or something like that. But he held championships all over the place. He trained people. Uh, he was a, a major star here in Portland, and he was a longtime friend of Roddy Piper. 
So when the promoter brought in Lenny to be the quote unquote booker of the show, he asked him, he said, do you think we could get Piper involved? Well, Roddy told Lenny, I found this out later. He said, look, cause he would get, people always wanted him to work on a, let's bring Portland wrestling back, Roddy, you live here. Let's bring it back. And he said, okay, let me tell you something. If you get the general manager of channel 12 and he's there, you're in a meeting with him, then you can call me about this until then. Don't bother me with this. Well, they yeah. got the meeting and they called him. And so Roddy agreed to do it. So he was brought in as the executive producer of the show. He would make appearances as well, you know, playing himself and uh, basically kind of being not a commissioner, but kind of the guy in charge on camera. He was in charge of the overall picture of the wrestling program. Lenny was the quote unquote booker, meaning he was in charge of the wrestling side of it. And I worked there. I immediately went to our general manager when I heard about this. I said, I got to be a part of this show. He's like, I know. And <laughs> so I, Roddy was there uh, the day after the word came out. Roddy and Lenny were there. And I had interviewed Roddy once before. Just the, He was doing a show. He was doing an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So I'd done an interview with him once. I came out in a kilt and all that stuff, and he thought it was funny. But, so I had met him one time. It was a couple years before, and he kind of remembered that. But anyways, we started talking and just instantly hit it off. Um, and he basically, he said, he's like, I want you to be my mean gene for the show. It's like, I want you to be the guy doing the interviews <clears throat> and all that stuff. And I was like, I would be honored. And he's like, you and I are actually going to, we'll do a lot of stuff together. We'll kind of be a little bit of like an on pair team, kind of like backstage. I was like, yeah, okay. I mean, I was a massive, as you were a massive Piper fan, yeah. you know, in the 80s and 90s. And he was my favorite wrestler for a period there. Um, so of course I was all on board with this. Well, as we got, as we started putting the show together, it was obvious that the TV people, meaning the directors and the other people that were, they didn't know Jack about a wrestling show, how to put a wrestling show together. And on the wrestling side of it, they didn't know how to put a TV show together. Yeah. So I kind of, be, I instantly, before even our first taping, I became the go-between uh, uh, between the wrestling people and the TV people. So mm -hmm. what happened very much organically was there was a group of three people that would put the shows together, Roddy being the executive producer and kind of the, the man in charge, not kind of the man in charge. It was his baby. And he would, he was kind of the final decision on things. Lenny, who very much handled the, the wrestlers and the wrestling side of it. And then myself who handled the TV side of it. So we got into this groove where we would get together, the three of us, and put together the shows. So I, it wasn't just where I was working on camera with Roddy. Uh, we were working behind the scenes and literally putting on the show together, booking the shows, writing the shows, formatting the shows, timing out the matches, talking about angles, throwing out ideas. Um, if you've ever listened to Bruce Pritchard's um, podcast, and he talks yeah. about when he works for Vince McMahon, the dynamic, when he described the dynamic, because when he was working with Vince at one point, you had Vince, Pat Patterson, and Bruce. And it was very much, when I hear that, it was very much like the dynamic we had with Roddy playing the part of Vince McMahon, Lenny playing the part of Pat Patterson, coming up with finishes for matches and that sort of thing. And then me coming up with promo ideas, I would throw out lines, that sort of thing. And eventually I got to the point where I kind of earned their trust and they would run idea what do you think of this and well do you have ideas on. i want to ask there? you because portland and jacksonville are kind of similar in the fact that they've actually done wrestling in their community but on different scales with tony khan and AEW. and i want mm -hmm. to get your comparison because i've talked to our viewers about this a little bit the difference between what you guys had going on 
and then someone with the amount of resources that Tony Khan yeah. had with AEW. Talk to me about the difference in why AEW has been successful. Well, it's not, it's not even close. Yeah. <laughs> we had yeah. no resources. <laughs> I, wanna, I mean, we had, we had a station, we had some camera, you know, but compared to what? AEW. I mean, it's not even. But I mean, but but what you did was, I think others around the country have tried these small startup ideas, but it really takes like the money that a con would bring to the table to have the success they have. That's the reason. I mean, that's the reason why the show lasted less than a year. And the reason was, was because the funding ran out, the promoter had these investors lined up and that money ended up coming through and then he couldn't pay the wrestlers. And I mean, that's essentially what happened. Well, so, this gets me. To, this gets me where I want to go talking about AEW because we got to bring um, the biggest heel into this discussion. Uh, Maxwell Jacob Friedman uh, wants to be like Piper. Mm-hmm. He kind of is the hottest heel, at least in AEW, possibly the industry right now. What are your thoughts? Is he comparable to Piper? Piper was arguably the greatest heel of all time in, in many respects. MJF is one of the greatest heels on TV right now, and it's very good at generating heat and getting people to hate him. Yeah. He knew Rod very well. What are your thoughts on comparisons there? He's got a ways to go, but he's, I mean, if you, if you said pick a guy out of the current wrestling scene, I, I mean, I could certainly see that that would be the guy. I mean, honestly, the other guy, uh, it, <laughs> there's two guys that really were influenced by Piper. That's MJF and CM Punk, and CM Punk has said as much. Um, of course, Roddy didn't live uh, long enough to see MJF, but I remember him talking. In, we talked about CM Punk a couple times because mm-hmm. he knew he knew Punk, and he knew that Punk was very much influenced by him. Uh, Roddy always had respect for guys that could like get over with their words, like that. He, he had respect for anybody that could just get over. Period, because mm-hmm. he knew how hard it was. And then people that kind of did their own thing. I mean, he he very much uh, prided himself on kind of not belonging to anybody. He he could tell a promoter to take a hike. Um, and so I think he would be very. Um, I think he would think highly of a MJF for that reason. Now I think there's differences there. Of course, I knew Roddy off camera and on camera and there were elements to his behind the scenes personality that were in conflict with his like roddy was actually a a surprisingly sensitive and sentimental guy you didn't always get that on camera mjf he reminds me a little bit also and i've heard this comparison out there when um, brian pillman was doing his loose cannon thing yeah where you never knew what this guy and where blurring that line between okay is he working right now is this a character or is this really what he means i mean so he that's a good thing you brought up so we recently saw this press conference post yeah. double or nothing for aw where he's sitting next to his boss tony khan yeah. talking about uh, triple h and nick khan and wwe are interested in me and tony khan's like what did you just say so yeah. he's really good at that blurring the lines thing. Do you think that's critical though? Because him and Roddy were in different eras. I mean, yeah, I mean, has to do it in the era of social media. Yeah, I mean, with with Rod again, you're talking the 1980s. The the curtain hadn't been pulled back all the way. He wasn't doing press conferences with Vince McMahon where he was gonna, you know, people were people didn't know about the stuff that was happening behind the scenes. Now every fan thinks they know everything about 
everything that happens, right? We all think we yep. know what's happening. You know, people read Dave Meltzer or whatever, and they think they know everything that's going on. Um, so he, MJF is just playing into that. I mean, I think it's, it's obvious that he is. He's playing into this fact that wrestling fans think they do know everything. And I think it's a work. <laughs> I, mean, I, I just think it's, think a, work. it's a work. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, is there a chance down the road that he'll sign with WWE when his contract comes up? Sure. Yeah. But do I think that he and Tony Khan, when that, that press conference, work? Work, 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 in so, my opinion. So I want to talk the difference between that MJF has between fans. So didn't Piper have something about a, a leather coat he would wear because he'd been Oh, stabbed? yeah. Tell me about oh, that. He, well, yeah. So he he would wear that coat all the time. Every time he saw him, he wore a very famous leather jacket. In fact, they uh, gifted it to Ronda Rousey, I believe, and she had it kind of tailored um, to wear it to the main event of WrestleMania. Every time he saw Roddy, he wore this black leather jacket, and he said it was because it was uh, knife-proof because, you know, when he was in the territories, he, he says he got stabbed several times. I'll take him at his word for it. He's not the first wrestler to say that he got stabbed. Uh, and so, yeah, he had this, like, almost impenetrable black leather jacket that he wore all the time the thing must have weighed like 80 pounds and every time he, you know you'd see him he was wearing it in fact uh, when i went to his uh, his service after he passed um up on the kind of the dais there they had uh, a kilt bagpipes and that jacket i mean that's how <laughs> that's how much that jacket meant meant to him and so uh, that was because so yeah. him getting fans so pissed off at him that they stab him I don't think fans are the same now. No. Fans today, they're, they're smart fans, so to speak. They, the curtain, as you say, is fully pulled back. That their hate for him is also somewhat of a love for him, as opposed right. to Rod, where they right. literally hated him. Right. Now, the best way, if you really want fans to hate you, is to... Uh, you know, have uh, WWE push you as their top baby face. <laughs> like, yeah. that's, that's the way to do it. Um, just ask John Cena, Roman Reigns, um, back when they were doing that. Yes, I mean, we have grown to love, and it, by the way, it, it, it did happen with all the baby faces. I mean, Ric Flair was hated, but then we got to the point where you're like, this guy's just too entertaining. I can't boo Ric Flair. <laughs> this guy's too great. And it happened with Piper, too. Eventually, they had to make Piper baby face because as much heelish stuff as he's in, it's like, dang, this guy's entertaining. I mean, a guy like Bobby Heenan now, it would be really hard to keep heel because he was so dang funny. And we all know that, you know, that's it's part of the show now. So yeah, it's just getting that kind of stabbing heat, which by the way, I'm not in favor of anyone stabbing a wrestler for any reason. Um, yeah, you just don't see that anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's impossible. So I, I do think. So I think uh, what MJF is doing is smart. I mean, I mean he is he has recalibrated uh, the heel character for this online fan that thinks they know everything backstage and and getting them the question. You know, there's that old line of, well, I know all the rest of this stuff is silliness and made up, but this over here, I think this might be real. And by the way, CM Punk, another guy who does that as well, another uh, Piper fan. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate it. We're going to probably have you back on a few episodes here down the road. I hope so, man. It was a lot of fun. Oh, by the way, I just want to show my shirt. Uh, this is my no oh, one yeah. is bigger than Piper in Portland right here, man. That's Love the great. hot rod. Good talking to you, my man. Thanks, Joby. We'll talk to you later. All right, buddy. 
Now, something he said that he thinks the Tony Khan uh, press conference was a work. Scroll back on the tape here if you're watching our show uh, on the YouTube link or wherever you're watching us. If you notice during the press conference, I can tell this because I do TV, that MJF has been on a one shot for all his questions. And then when they go to that final question that leads to the WWE, Nick Khan, Triple H answer, they widen out to a two shot so you can see Tony Khan's reaction. I do not think that was by accident. I think that was planned. Um, and that coincidentally, not surprisingly, is the thing that ended up going viral. The fact that they widened out the shot is kind of a tell, a giveaway that this might have been staged. Um, but I, I, I do want to close on the Piper MJF comparison by talking about the difference is Roddy in the 1980s and 1990s, if he walked down the street, a lot of people who are not wrestling fans would have known that's Roddy Piper. MJF's not there yet. He's just not. I mean, that is, comes down to um, wrestling nowadays is, does not have the overwhelming ratings that they had in the 80s. And, and I know people will debate ratings versus social media and all that, but you look at the ratings of WWF programming in the 1980s, it's huge compared to what it is now. Um, and non-wrestling fans were seeing it. And Roddy did a lot. I'm just going through some of his old stuff. I'm seeing an old clip of him essentially mooning Bill Maher on Bill Maher's old show. I'm seeing him on Howard Stern. I'm seeing him on the Arsenio Hall show in 89. Roddy did a lot of mainstream crossover that meant he was really well known to the community. Max is still known to the AEW community and to wrestling diehard fans who really appreciate how good he is but short of Max Friedman, when he was a child, showing up on the Rosie O'Donnell show, he hasn't had any um, mainstream or much mainstream crossover yet. AEW's still working to get there. The only guys nowadays who are getting that really are CM Punk, um, who already had it, The Rock, Cena, maybe Roman Reigns to an extent. But you could argue who was more famous in his day, Roman Reigns or Roddy Piper. Piper is really well known. Hulk Hogan is really well known. And you could also argue that would there be, would Hulk Hogan have been successful as he was without Roddy Piper? It's hard to say. Piper is extremely well known to the broad general public. MJF's not there yet. That's why age comes into it a lot because he's only 27. He's got a long way to go. And we don't know that Tony Khan's not pushing. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Tony Khan is pushing to get some more mainstream crossover of his talent on mainstream programming. I haven't seen a lot. I think I saw Jade Cargill on a show, uh, a talk show once. I, I just haven't seen AEW get there yet. They don't have the brand awareness that WWE does now that WWF did in the 1980s. They're working on that. It's not easy. Um, it, it takes time. And when that happens, MJF may go with it. If he doesn't go to WWE, we'll have to see. Or if he doesn't get, or if he doesn't try out acting, or whatever the case may be. Or he doesn't get burned out. I mean, it's a, it's a grinding schedule. Um, one thing I spent half the day looking for yesterday I couldn't find. There's some sort of political cartoon. I want to say it was New York Post, and I may be butchering this, which is why I'm mentioning at the end of the podcast, not at the beginning. There was some sort of Donald Trump cartoon on the front of a newspaper. This would have been when he was president. It was, it was making fun of Trump, I want to say. And they, like, called him Rowdy Donnie Piper or something and put him in a kilt. 
And when I saw that, I always remembered they would not put that on the front page of a newspaper if it wasn't for Rowdy Piper being so famous for doing so much. Um, I just, I couldn't find it, so I, I don't have the context for you, but I just remember if a New York newspaper years after his death is still publishing articles where the, the context is mixing Donald Trump and Roddy Piper, it's because the general public would see that and go, I know who Roddy Piper is. He's a very, he is an incre incredibly famous guy who did an incredible job for the business. MJF is doing that now, and you heard in his press conference, look at all these, um, Feuds he has, greatest match, greatest promo, greatest all this. But you know what those are published in? Wrestling media. Piper would have shown up other places. That's where MJF needs to get. So that's what I think MJF will be working on. I'm sure he's aware of it, trying to get that mainstream crossover. And I'm sure Tony Khan wants to get him there. And they're working on that. It's a work in progress. Um, the other thing I want to talk about on today's podcast is we do, if you are in Northeast Florida, have a big event coming up in Baker County, Florida with Destiny Combat Championship Wrestling. If you're watching this before July 15th in Northeast Florida, listen to this. They are going to talk to us about a big event they have coming out of the Baker County Fairgrounds. So here's our interview with Destiny Combat Championship Wrestling. Well, we are excited to be joined again by Vanessa Pender with Destiny Combat Championship Wrestling. Vanessa, thanks for joining us today out in Baker County. There you guys have a big event going on on July 15th. Is that right? Yes, we do. How are you, sir? Good. Tell me all about it. What do you guys have going on? Uh, we've got Heat Wave. It's our next show for July, July 15th. It's at the Baker County Fairgrounds inside, air-conditioned, food for sale, all of our champions are going to be in the house. It's going to be really exciting. How have things been going for you guys? It's been a few months since we talked to you. Talk to me about how things have been going out there in Baker County. Really, really great. The kids, the community really support wrestling, so we have a blast when we come together. Uh, this time around, we're going to have a nonprofit come in. Their name is the Hope Center. They are a networking system for people that are struggling with addiction and need support. So we always connect with somebody in the community and highlight them so that we can raise up the next generation, you know, that are seeking help for anything that they may need. So uh, we kind of mix it up with the wrestling, and it is a blast. Talk to me about what people can expect on the card this time around if they show up on the 15th. On the 15th, we've got our national uh, DCCW national champion, Chance Oren, will be in the house. We've got our DCCW Tag Team Champions, Big Man Nation. They will be in the house. We've got our DCCW Women's Champion, La Brava. Controversial Inc. Uh, we've got that dude, Jamie Stanley. We've got the return of Eddie Torres. So our fans are really in for a, a wild night of action because these are beloved guys that they love So for people much. who have not been to your organization before to watch one of your shows and maybe they, they have not gone out to watch an independent wrestling show, talk to them about what it's like versus maybe what they see on TV, why it's like that much more up close and so much more interpersonal than you maybe see on television. Well, that's exactly it, is that you can really get up close and personal with these guys and girls. 
they're all professionals. And this is that step before they hit the big screen, the big show, the, the walking through that big curtain on TV. So it's an exciting time to tap into that talent right before they blow up, you know, and they make that big jump onto the TV. And so uh, it's a great way for the kids to be wowed, to meet and I, I wanna, I wanna stop you right there and ask you about the kids. So if you watch independent shows on the internet, there's two types. There's yes. maybe the type that you guys have, and then there's the hardcore stuff that's maybe more adult oriented. Are you guys a family friendly ones that kids can go to? Absolutely, we cater to the kids. We cater family friendly. We cater good guy versus bad guy. Um, it is a, a a professional wrestling show that is clean. It is not vulgar. It is not uh, excessive violence. It's not a bloodbath. <laughs> and you can see some of that on the internet. You can see that on TV as well. So we really keep it right in the middle where these guys show off their talents and they wrestle. Uh, they don't need to do anything that's over the top to get these kids' attention because the kids are just wowed by their physique, by their charisma, you know? And uh, tell me about where people can go if they want to learn more about your show, see the poster, you know, follow you guys. How do they find you? Well, we are Destiny Combat Championship Wrestling. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. And... Um, our flyers are plastered all over the community. We're in the Baker County Press. So we really have a beautiful following of people that support us every time we come together for an event. So if they wanted to reach out to us personally, they can reach out to me and call me 904-697-7167. They can get tickets from me. They can get information about our training center. So anything that anybody needs, they can reach out and we have the answers for them. Vanessa Pender, Destiny Combat Championship Wrestling. Thanks so much for joining us again. Good luck <laughs> Thank on the 15th. Thank you so there. much. Thank you, Thank sir. <laughs> Thank you. And we've had DCCW on a couple times now. I want to reach out if you're uh, in Florida or Georgia, where we're based, that area, and you have a, an independent show coming on, give me a couple weeks' notice and reach out to me. Let me know. Uh, at Going Ringside on Instagram and TikTok are great places to private message me, and we'll try and get you on the show to promote the show. We love to do that, and we'd love to get uh, more independent shows on with us. Um, but this was our uh, walk down the comparison between the arguably the greatest heel on the planet today and the greatest heel of all time, MJF and Rowdy Roddy Piper. Go ahead and share the show with anyone you know who might uh, like wrestling. Still trying to get the word out on Going Ringside. Thanks for joining us again for another episode. This has been Going Ringside with The Local Station, brought to you every Wednesday on your favorite podcast player, on News 4 Jax Plus, as well as the News 4 Jax YouTube channel.